Howdy do, neighbor. It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. Now, here's the guys. Hey, folks, we're getting the band back together. We've got Richard and Josh joining us today for the first time in 2024. My name is Chris Peltz. I'm the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ here in Springfield, Missouri. And Josh Thornhill is back, finally, with the Brookmead Church of Christ over in Johnson City, Tennessee. Josh, how you doing in this beautiful brand new year? Oh, hello. Hi. Hi. I'm doing all right. I'm here. Yes, you are. <clears throat> and I'm still alive. So Yeah, that's good. That's good. Do you have did you have a good uh winter break? Yes, I did. I did. It was good. Awesome. Well, glad to hear it. Glad uh have you back with us, of course, uh on the program. We missed you last week and uh uh you know, looking forward to some of your insights today, as always. So, we've got Richard Dotson with the Kearney Church of Christ up in Kearney, Missouri. Richard, how you doing today? Hey, man, I'm snowed in. Uh, yeah. we, had a, we had a lot of snow over the past few days, and so yeah, I've been uh, working trying to shovel, which fat old man like me has to go kind of easy at, but, uh, we got cold weather coming too. So yeah, it's going to be, yeah. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Cause you're, you're just up the road from us north, north here. And today we're supposed to hit 50 and you're, you're barely getting above freezing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> it's, you, a you know what our, here. you know what our father-in-law always said about that. The paying the preacher. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't have good weather, it's because you're not paying the preacher. So right. <laughs> I need to pass that on to the brethren up here. Apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I'm doing great. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad, glad to hear it. I got a little heater right here by my legs, so if it gets too cold, I'm fine. I can just right, I got you. All turn right. on the heater, so I'll be okay. <laughs> Well, folks, we appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. If you're joining us on our live stream, you can make comments or uh, and join the conversation. You got a question or something about what we're talking about today? Go ahead and leave that in the comments, or uh, just tell us hello. Let us know where you're listening from. We always enjoy hearing uh, from everybody, and uh, it's just uh, it's it's encouraging for us, and so we appreciate it uh, so very much. Today, we're going to be talking about. Women, a subject Richard knows absolutely nothing about. And so uh, Josh is going to fill him in today, mm. and uh, and I'm going to sit back and listen. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining. Have a nice week. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have uh, prepared some things. Well, my wife prepared it for me, and yeah. she told me. <laughs> Yeah, I used to tell folks you know, when I had uh, my two girls, I was like, you know what, I, I'm, you know, I, I still don't know anything about women. Now I got to raise two of them, and so I know it's like, <laughs> the, 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 you know, I've, I've been married for thirty something years, and I feel like I'm less of an expert on girls now than I was when I got married. Yeah. But, However, um, I do know a, a lot about what the Bible says about it, and that that's the important thing. 
That's the right. hard part. That that's <laughs> that can be the hard part, no doubt about it. Uh, but that that's what we're going to talk about. All kidding aside, we're going to talk about the role of women, uh, both in in society and in the church. It is a a subject that uh, I think, based upon what we read in the scriptures, that, you know, what we're going through today isn't anything new, right? I mean, there's definitely some uh, some ideas and thoughts that are being promoted, but the home has been under attack from the beginning. The role of women has been in question and under attack. You know, Paul deals with that both in his writings to Timothy as well as to the Corinthians and others, uh, the Ephesians. Uh, and so you, this is something that that the brethren have been dealing with since the church began and since really creation uh, and talking about and dealing with the, the role of women as opposed to the role of, of men. And it, you know, today, especially when it comes to the church, there's a lot of ideas and a lot of things that people are just simply throwing out the window altogether when it comes to, you know, uh, what women can or cannot do. And a lot of times, Unfortunately, because of the approach that the world is taking and, and, and those who are uh, more interested in worldly ideas and, and pleasing the world, we do seem to focus more on the negative aspect, right? Women are not to do this, not to do that, rather than focusing on what you know, women can do, what they excel at, and what God encourages uh, for the role of women uh, but uh, you know, but can, can I can I say something? What's that? Can I say something? Of course. You, know, you said that's negative when you talk about what the Bible says about women that they can't do. I don't see that as negative at all, because the Bible says a lot of things about men that they can't do either. That's a good point. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's the the problem I'm seeing is that for whatever reason in our society today. We're looking at Proverbs 31, where it talks about a virtuous woman, and we're talking about her like she should be ashamed. And that's, that is contrary to what the scriptures teach. A woman who can be called a virtuous woman that we see in Proverbs 31, you know, that is something of honor. That is something of praise. That is something that, that every young unmarried man should be seeking is a girl like that. So, uh, you know, th this is when we're talking about a woman who fulfills her role as God has set forth, we're talking about a woman who is worthy of her praise. And, and the Bible talks about that too. Uh, she is, she is definitely something of honor and, and is, this is nothing to be ashamed of. And unfortunately it's the devil who's trying to make it appear that it's a shameful thing to be something, a vessel of honor instead of a vessel of shame that he, which he's converting so many women into being. And that's, that's, that's just, that's just wrong. And yeah. that's why we're here, right? Absolutely. We're, we're here to combat the devil and say, no, you are wrong devil. This is, this is not something to be shameful of. This is something that is, that is glorious. It's a work of God. And it's uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and, and Josh, I, I can throw this to you a little bit because before we get into the women aspect of this, when you look at a text like first Timothy chapter three and Titus chapter one, and the, the characteristics of men 
who would serve as elders. And, and there are certain qualifications that must be met in order for Amanda to serve as an elder, even beyond the characteristic aspect. There's the, the fact that they need to be the, the husband of one wife and they need to have children. And there are men who never marry. And there are men who, for perhaps no fault of their own, don't have children. And that doesn't make them less of a man, right? It doesn't make them less of a Christian. And, and that's really the argument that so many make when when we talk about the role of women and uh, certain certain aspects of that, that whether they can or cannot do, it, that doesn't make them less of a human, less of a Christian, less worthy of any type of uh, of praise. In fact, they're, we're told that they are heirs of God and joint heirs, right? And, and husbands and wives, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, right? We are heirs together, and so we're saved the same way. So it, it's not a matter of being, you know, less uh, as far as a person or as a, a Christian, it's just a matter of roles. And, and I guess that's really kind of what we're going to be getting into. So go ahead, Josh. Yeah. I mean, certainly um, God has, I mean, God knows what's best. I mean, he's the one who created this world anyway. I mean, he knows how it's going to function at its best. And he's described how it was to function at its best. And, and if you look at the nation of Israel, God gave instructions to the nation of Israel as to how they were to function as a nation. And when they followed God's instructions, things were great. But when they didn't, things went south. And so the same thing is true with the men and women roles today. And I think <clears throat> you know, what, what part of the, I think there's a couple problems, and I, I, I'll hit on a few of them here. Number one, I think a lot of the women have been on a a mission to try and prove that they can do everything that men can do. When God didn't create them to do everything that men could do. God created them to do the things that men can. When you think about the parenting relationship, the mother has a different dynamic with her children than the father does with his, the children. You know, they they interact differently. They bring different things to their child they bring a different perspective the mother brings a woman perspective to her son whereas the father brings up the fatherly perspective and shows him how to be a man whereas she shows her son how to be a what a godly woman is supposed to look like and then with the daughters the the woman is showing her daughter how she can be a godly woman and then the the father is showing her what a godly man is going to look and what she ought to look for in that. And, and so, you know, there's things that the mother does that the father can't do. And that's the way that God designed it. And again, it's not that the father is more important than the mother. They're, they're both equally important. And I think you see that when either one is missing, it provides or presents challenges to a home. But then also, I, I think a part of the problem, part of the reason why we have such a problem with this is because men aren't being the men that God calls them to be. Uh, I was in a Bible study a couple months ago, sometime last year, and one of the guys there was a teacher, former teacher, school teacher, and he said that, you know, towards the end of his tenure, you know, you could sit there 
on the last day of school when they weren't really doing anything. And you could go to the girls and you can ask them, hey, what are y'all going to do do this summer? And they say, oh, well, I'm going to do this and that and this and that. And, and I've got this to do and that to do. And then you go over to the guys and he asks them, what are they going to do? And they're like, mm -hmm. You know, they're just aimless. They don't, they're not really doing anything. And I think part of that is and they don't have the the good role models to look up to. I think another part of that is that the concept of toxic masculinity has been so permeated into our culture that men are afraid to be what God expects to be men because they're kind of afraid that they'd be viewed as toxic, which masculinity that God designed is not toxic. I just want to make that but then men just aren't stepping up and being men. They're not fulfilling the roles that God gives them to do. And somebody has to. And so sometimes their wives or their partners or whoever it is has to step into a role that they weren't designed to step into because there's nobody there that will. The man won't stand up and do it. And so I'd say a part of the big part of the problem that we have lies with men not being men in our country, in our society. Uh, Men need to learn to be who God wants them to be, to be the leaders of homes and to be the, the husbands and the fathers that God designed them to be because mm -hmm. our society is crying out for that. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it, it, it gives us kind of a, a view of authority. And it says there that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is is man or her husband. And the head of Christ is God. And, and today, I've heard so many people look at that verse and say, well, that's outdated. That was for the first century. That's not today. And, and they're just looking at the middle part, just talking about, you know, that the head of every woman is, is man. and and they say that that part is no longer valid, but yet they won't say that for, you know, what sandwiches that statement, right? You got the very first part of the head of every man is Christ. That's not outdated. That's not, you know, first century only. That's not a cultural thing. The head of Christ being God, that's not cultural. That's not first century. That is an eternal point that Paul, by inspiration of King Jesus, is making. And the same is true with the, with the middle statement as far as women and men are concerned. And Because if one is cultural and outdated, then all of it would be. And, and that's just simply not true. And so we need to look at this and understand that uh, that there is distinct roles. And, and perhaps the best passage that I can think of that show that distinction is in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, where God says there in that text, as Paul writes to Timothy, that women will be saved in childbearing. And, and I want to make sure we understand what this text is saying in 1 Timothy 2, verse 15, because he's not saying that women have to bear children in order to be saved. What he's doing is he's, he's picking something that only women can do. And he's uh -oh. saying that women have to fulfill their role, right? Women have a role that God has given them that is distinct and different from the role of men. And, and so he uses this, this idea of childbearing just simply to point out 
that women need to stay in their lane, right? Men need to stay in their lane. Women have a role to fulfill and they need to respect and maintain that role. And the same is true with men, but he uses the idea of childbearing because that is something absolute and indistinguishable uh, when it comes, or, you know, distinguishable, I guess, between men and women because men cannot bear children. That's something only women can do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, well, look, this morning for breakfast, I had the breakfast of champions. I had a chocolate chip cookie and it was good. Now, if you just take this surprise, <laughs> if, if you just take the chocolate chip, do you have a chocolate chip cookie? No. If you just take the cookie without the chocolate chip, do you have chocolate chip cookies? No. That's a sad cookie. That's right. <laughs> Actually, I kind of like that part. But anyway, when you put them together, Ooh. now you have a chocolate chip cookie. And they're both indispensable. They're, they're separate, but they're together. They're mm -hmm. one, one unit. And if you go to Matthew 19, when it's describing marriage, what does Jesus, what does Jesus say? What is it around verse five or six? He says, you know, the two of them come together. They shall be one flesh. All right. So they're two separate entities, but they're coming together to be one. Now, just like a chocolate chip cookie, we love chocolate. I mean, most people like chocolate chip cookies. You know, when they come together, you make something really good, okay? A man and a woman who come together in the fear of the Lord, they're making something really good. And so the woman brings about, you know, her role. The man brings about his role. And they create something beautiful in God. And it's something that is something, <laughs> that is something that we should rejoice over, Um Back to the virtuous woman in, in Proverbs 31, you know, when you talk about, you know, somebody said, I think it was Chris talked about uh, the man, maybe it may have been Josh, but if you have such a woman, I, I want you to, let me get back here to it. Notice what is said about this woman. And, and there's a reason for this. Um, when it talks about the virtuous woman, it says her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. In other words, you know, he's, he's someone who can focus on things other than his marriage. He's not worried about his wife because she's taking care of her role. He can focus on the things he has to focus over. And in this particular case, you know, he sits in the gates. I mean, he's, he's one of the leaders. And I think uh, if you go to uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 12 and uh, notice what's said there, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. And I have seen men with women who were like that, who, who were not uh, virtuous, who were usurping their role that God had given them. And th there's no way they could be a leader 
they could not excel in whatever thing they wanted to excel at because they were constantly having to be concerned about their wife. And uh, she, it was just something that, that she demanded. And it was like a, a rottenness to his bones, a cancer in the bone. And so, and, and that would be vice versa as well. But needless to say, when those two come together to make chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> you know, it, it, it is, it's a beautiful thing. And, and what they can do together is absolutely astounding. And so when we're talking about, you know, we talked about the beginning of the show, the things that women can't do, and then the things that women can do, you know, well, there's things that men can't do, and there's things that men can do. That's nothing to be ashamed of. That's just something to understand. That's just the way God created us. And if we respect that, if we respect those roles, we can accomplish much in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh, let me ask you this question and it's kind of a two-part question and I think it's important. I think the Bible definitely answers this and, and leads us in the right direction. But first of all, can women work outside the home? And secondly, in society, cause that right. I mean, that's what I think Richard titled this show about the role of women in society and the church. Can they have leadership roles in society or should they have leadership roles in society? Um, <laughs> hey, well, let me, let me, let me kind of put this cause there's, there's been some that have said, and I've, I've been in conversations where, you know, uh, some, I guess I could prejudice the statement by saying fanatics, but there are some who would say, you know, women should not be, you know, president women should not be, um, you know, managers or I won't work, you know, under, um, you know, a, a, with a, a woman who is a boss of, of me. And, and there are these attitudes that I think play into why women feel as though sometimes they have to fight and really go beyond uh, so much. And so just quite simply, can women work outside the home and can they have leadership roles in, in, uh, in roles, you know, out in society? And be I, I pleasing think, to God. Let me. I guess that should be the. I think the simple answer is yes. They can work outside the home. <clears throat> now, um, yeah, and certainly it, it's not wrong for a woman to work outside the home. I, yeah. I guess we should say that absolutely. Um, this might be really, really unpopular, especially among more modern ears. Uh, but that might not be exactly what God intended for for the wife. I mean, she has a responsibility within the home that she's expected to fulfill. And, and, you know, and she needs to make sure that a job that she is doing outside the home is not going to prevent her from fulfilling the role, the primary role, I would say, that God has given her. Um, and I know that's really unpopular, but I think that that is rather uh, biblical. Just like the man has the responsibility to go out and provide for his family, you know, God gave him that role and he needs to fulfill that. Um, as far as leadership is concerned, <clears throat> I mean, the, the passages that we see just seem to be, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't think that there would be anything inherently wrong with a woman uh, being a manager over a, a particular area. But um, 
I have run into that that idea as well. I've heard that said before, especially a couple of elections ago when we had a, a woman on the ticket. Um, but <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't see, I, I think the, the, it seems that the, those things, um, yeah, more focused towards the home and, and within the church. Uh, but I will say this, something that I've been hearing and learning recently is that women are challenged in the workplace to go beyond the roles that God has given them. Mm. And that's a danger. And I know uh, for a godly woman who wants to be who God wants her to be, for her to to kind of stay within the role that God has given her can be challenging. And and I think there is something that people ought to, to think about there. Yeah. You know, in, in Acts 16, and, and I think about Lydia quite a bit when it comes to this particular question, uh, because not only was Lydia working outside the home, right? She was a seller of purple. Okay. Uh, and so she had a business. She she was a businesswoman and she had servants, right? Uh, but, you know, the, it, it, as you pointed out, Titus chapter two and and several other passages, it very distinctly talks about the role of women when it comes to the the first and foremost responsibility to the home, and and that cannot be neglected. And just as with uh, with men, right? If we neglect our family, First uh, Timothy chapter five verse eight, right? Then we are worse than an unbeliever, right? If we neglect our family, especially those of our own household. Uh, so we have a responsibility to train up our children, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Um, you know, fathers, train up your children. Uh, and so men and you know have a responsibility and a role, e- even when it comes to the home, but so do women. And so, you know, to, to get involved in something that would take away from that, I think, is a danger and needs to be cautioned and warned against from the Scriptures. But I think we do see them not only working outside the home and, and being faithful to God, but even having some leadership roles in uh, in said work. Uh, and I think Lydia is a perfect example of that in Acts 16. Richard, you got something to add to that? Go back to the virtuous woman. She did conduct business outside the home. Yes. Uh, she bought real estate. Uh, you know, so she, she brought uh, food in from afar. <laughs> And verse 14. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's things that she did that, uh, you know, that were outside the home, but the focus is on the home. Yeah. But that's also the man's focus as well. The man's focus is on the home and, uh, and providing for his family and, 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 you know, being the leader of his household. So, I mean, it's again, it's something that they do together. It's not something that, uh, they do separately. And, and so, you know, that's, that's the, the part that, uh, I think we have to really observe is the, the fact that every home needs a leader. And of course, inevitably that's Jesus Christ, but then secondarily, that's the husband. And then behind her, him is, is the wife, but him and 
the leader and his wife, the husband and the wife, they work together to make that home function as it should. Yeah. Uh, but as far as working outside the home, uh, what's, I don't see a difference between working outside the home and working in the home. I mean, it's, it's work. So I, I, I really don't see what the difference is between someone vacuuming a floor in their home and someone vacuuming a floor, you know, at uh, an office building. I mean, they're, they're, they're both work and that's what they're supposed to do. They're not supposed to eat of the bread of idleness. Uh, but it's, it's up to the, the husband and wife to make sure that home functions properly. And if the husband doesn't want his wife working outside the home, then she needs to respect his wishes. But, uh, uh, you know, he should have a good reason for, you know, for why that is. But if she says, I'm not, and this is the problem. When the husband doesn't want his wife to work outside the home, the wife will say, well, I'm not giving up my career, you know, and now we got a problem because we're not making chocolate chip cookies anymore. You know, she's gone, she's going off and being a chocolate chip and, and he's a cookie without chips. So, I mean, that's, that's never a good thing. You know, if you're going to come together and that's the thing, but if you're going to come together, then be together, be together on this. You know, you, you guys, it's, it's the husband and wife's responsibility to make that, that, that house a home. Yeah. And, and Josh, part of that probably is the, the not having an eternal view of things, right? Oh, it's a big problem. Yeah. I mean, yeah. especially the idea of, you know, <laughs> I'm not giving up my career kind of uh, thought is, is really just focused upon this world and not looking beyond it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that it's a, a lack of recognition of what a parent's real purpose is. If a mother said, well, I don't want to give up my career and stay at home. Well, you know, what, what, what's your greatest goal as a, as a parent? Is it to, you know, bring home lots of money or is it to raise your children that are going to love and serve the Lord? You know, I, and so, I mean, there, there's going to have to be some, obviously some trade-offs there, but um, obviously I think we we have to have a an eternal perspective if we are going to uh, to be the kind of family or parents or society that God wants us to be. Um, I, I think the reason why the roles have been blended or have been ignored and or are trying to be torn down, I think Chris pointed that out earlier. Uh, the idea of dismantling the patriarchy and things like that. It's tearing at the fabric of everything God designed for society, for the home. And we need to view it as such. It's an affront to God himself. Mm-hmm. And Christians don't need to be involved in that kind of activism stuff. I just want to make that clear. But um, we have to have an eternal view of an understanding first of what we are called to be as a husband or a wife or first of all, a Christian and go about trying to be the very best husband or wife or man or woman that God has called us to be, whichever gender, you know, you you are obviously up to your choice there, but so I I got a question. 
Okay. It's, it's becoming more and more popular for young couples to come together where the wife does not want to take the last name of her, uh, future husband. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, I haven't personally, I know you've, you've run into that a little bit and definitely more. I've not run into that personally. Um, but, uh, you know, to me, it, uh, you know, I don't know how much tradition is within that. Um, I don't know some of the, if there's a history behind it, but I, I do know this, that it seems to be that there is not wanting to, fully submit to one another, right? Even first Corinthians seven talks about how the, the wife's body belongs to the husband and the husband's body belongs to the wife. And too often in today's world, people are still wanting to, you know, that from not only Genesis two 24, but Matthew 19 verses four through six, you know, becoming one flesh, they, they want to keep, their identity as their own and not truly give themselves fully to the relationship. And I think not only does that reflect in that physical relationship, but it reflects on their idea and view of God as well. Amen to that. Now I'll tell you what I told my son. If you ever come across a girl who doesn't want to wear your name, then you need to walk on and find somebody who is going to, uh, you know, understand that, you know, we've worked hard to build a good name and that you're offering that name to her, uh, you know, and it's, and it's something really, I mean, that's the most valuable thing you have on this earth is, is your name. And, uh, and, and they need to respect that if they're going to be in subjection to you, you know, they, they need to, I believe they need to wear your name. And it's, I think it's most unfortunate uh, like you said, when somebody's trying to hang on to the past, but yet kind of like dip their toe into marriage, that's not what marriage is. You don't dip your toe into it. Uh, as Jesus said, you come together, you're one flesh and that's mm -hmm. one. And so, you know, that's, that's something that the, the man, you know, he's no longer a single man. He has to accept that role as being the husband. So, I mean, it's, it's something that, um, uh, you know, people have to understand that when they're coming together, they're coming together, you know, it's, they're becoming one flesh. And so, yes, I, I think that, uh, uh, I believe the woman it's only right and proper that, uh, she should wear his name. I feel That's like it would, it would be a lot similar to like, uh, what are those called? Prenuptial agreements. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not bringing all of me to this relationship. Uh, I'm bringing part of me, but I'm going to keep some of myself here to the side that, that is going to be separated from this relationship. That's not becoming one flesh. I mean, that's not the two becoming one. That's two kind of hanging out together and living together. And we'll call ourselves husband and wife, but we're not fully joined together to one another. Yeah. It kind of feels like that, that kind of, well, kind of let me, Chris had pointed out. You know, they're, let they're let me ask another giving of oneself entirely. Let yeah. me ask another question. Let's say the husband, uh, let's say they both have careers 
and the husband wants to start something different in another city, and he wants to take his family with him, but she doesn't want to give up her career where she's at. You know, how should the woman react to that? You know, sometimes these what is questions are are difficult because there's so much more involved, you know, with, when it comes to motives, right? In in submitting and and following, you know, sometimes foolishness. Sometimes, uh, you know, men make poor decisions, bad decisions, and the wife will sometimes suffer for that. But at the same time. There is one thing that the wife must do first and foremost, in regardless of what the man decides or the man may try to demand, and that is she must give herself to God. Right? First Peter chapter three, I think, is an example of this. Here is a husband who seems to be very abusive, and yet she is a godly woman and she lives her life to glorify God in all things. And so whatever decision she's making. And whatever objection she makes, you know, is it done first and foremost with that eternal view in mind? It, because sometimes husbands can make decisions in moving somewhere where there's no church or there's no um, faithful or sound congregation, and it's it's it, it makes it more difficult on that woman. Uh, f- to be able to serve God, and she can object. She can. Um, you know, make that make that known, not just simply following. Oh, well, it's my husband. Whatever he says goes. That, that's not that's not what God points out. I mean, God, I think in First Peter three, shows us that you know that husband apparently wasn't faithful to God, but yet that was the first thing she had to do. Second thing she had to do after putting God first was to see, you know, examine her relationship with her husband. But God wasn't to take second seat, uh, even in the relationship of marriage. Okay, that leads me to my next question, because this was a two-parter. Oh, boy. (laughs) I wanted to see where you'd go with that one. Let's say that a couple, you know, they go to church, the husband uh, and the wife make sure they take their family to church. And the husband tells the wife, we're going to no longer go to the sound church. Uh, Of course, he wouldn't phrase it like that. We're going to start going to this church that's not sound. Okay. Does the woman have to follow her husband in that regard? And there's kids involved too. So, I mean, what would be the decision there? I. And and Josh, anytime you want to jump in, go ahead. But I would say, no, she doesn't because she's got to put God first. God, God, and she has to, if, if she has to win him over to, to God first, right, then she, she cannot compromise her faith. And I think first Peter three is a great example, you know, is, is exactly what God is saying to the wife in that situation. First and foremost, don't compromise your faith. And hopefully maybe without a word, you'll win him over. But first and foremost, be godly in everything that you do. Josh, Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves to unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. You think you can explain that phrase, as it is fit in the Lord? Well, I think it is. <clears throat> I think it's similar to what you find in Ephesians 6, where children obey their parents in the Lord. 
if my parents tell me to steal, then I shouldn't honor that request because it's wrong. And I shouldn't do what is wrong in the sight of God. And so a woman should not follow her husband in doing evil uh, by any means. And so he doesn't, he doesn't have the right to you know, lead her into doing what's wrong. And I, I do want to say as well, you know, I think the, the Bible does talk about husbands being the leaders. It's not a dictator. It's That's, not a I was going to get to that too, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is not a dictatorship. It is a leader. And I think our society doesn't understand what a leader is. It's one who leads, who goes before, who's in the trenches with everybody else, but leading, taking charge, taking the initiative. And, and that's what the husband's role is to do. And it's not to beat his wife over the head and say, well, you have to listen to me regardless. Well, no, that's not, you don't understand your role <laughs> yeah. as the leader. That's right. So, and, that, and that's, you know, what the questions Richard was asking was like, the man is demanding this, the man is demanding that. He's saying this is the way it's going to be. You know, you know what? That man has forgotten about the one flesh, it would seem. Right. And and his role as a a a leader, right, and, and an example and uh and putting God first in all things. Um and so remember what when he compares in Ephesians chapter five the marriage and the church, what did Christ do for the church? Right? Not only did he give himself for her but he provided what was needed for nourishment and, and he cherished her. You know, it, 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 he doesn't look at the church as some, some object and, and husbands likewise are to love their wives and, and provide for their wives. And uh, however he's treating his wife, it is a reflection of his view and idea of the church. And, and if that's skewed, then there definitely is just going to create more problems, unfortunately. I now, wanna, uh, go ahead, Josh. I do want to say, though, that I think there is a time where the husband may need to just stand up and say, this is the way it's going to be. Because yeah, I remember when I was in high school, there was a particular situation, and and my dad just said, you know what, this is, this is what we're going to do. And I didn't like it at the time, but I knew his reasoning for doing it. And, and even though I didn't like the decision, I did understand his, his reasoning. And I eventually, you know, it, it wasn't of any consequence, but <clears throat> I mean, he, he said, and it was, you know, relating to something spiritual. And so he's like, this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. And he wasn't, he wasn't being a dictator and doing that. He was just being the leader and, and, you know, doing something that he, he felt was best. And so I think there is a case where that may be needed. I, I think it's important we point out that while we do see problems in in basically in a younger society than me with uh, in the marital units, uh, we also have a problem with in my age and older of women who have been told they have to be subject to their husbands to the point where they try to be obedient, even when they are leading them away from Christ. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is that it, there are, there is a time when a woman 
can disobey her husband. And in fact, if she does not, the Lord will hold her accountable. And so if he's trying to lead her into error, uh, you know, by going to a, a church that practices false doctrine, you know, she needs to stand up to him and say, no, I'm not going there. That's, that's just something I'm not going to do. But I've seen, I can think of examples where women have followed their husbands into uh, apostasy. And uh, that's, that's not a good, that's not a good way to, to handle your role as a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Josh, any last thoughts? Well, um, I think the, the saying goes as this home goes, so goes the society. Yeah. And whether it's the man's role or the woman's role, uh, we have the obligation as Christians to be the example to those around us, uh, to show them what godly husbands and wives and when men and women are supposed to be and to make them want something different than what they, they have and all the problems that their way is bringing. So, I mean, we have, I mean, that's the only way we're really going to change things in this, this country is by restoring the home to the place that God expected it to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Richard, last thoughts. Just remember guys, marriage is a chocolate chip cookie. You got the <laughs> chocolate chip. You got the cookie to, apart from each other. They're not a chocolate chip cookie. You put them together and you got a wonderful thing. And that's exactly what marriage is. Proverbs said a man who has found a wife has found a good thing. And that is absolutely true. And, uh, but it's not just in marriage. I mean, there's, there's roles for everyone uh, that we should respect and in all things, God should be first in our lives. And I hope uh, that gives you a lot of things to think about and to chew on. Folks, thanks for listening and tuning in to Berean Spirits. If you like podcasts, search for us on your favorite podcast app and uh, and listen in maybe when you're out and about. If you're, uh, you know, maybe you can't always tune in on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, you can check us out on the podcast apps as well. Until next time, remember to search the scriptures with Berean Spirits. Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at bereanspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible.